0: volume two chapter fourteen of the widow barnaby by francis milton trollope this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter fourteen a cheltenham ball an introduction a conquest a great deal of profound meditation was bestowed by mrs barnaby on the occurrences of that morning before the time arrived for the toilette preparatory to the ball of the succeeding night all these will show themselves in their results as they arise and for the present it will be only necessary to mention that in providing for this toilette everything approaching to the sordid cares dictated by economy was banished the time was too short to admit of her ordering a new dress for this occasion though the powerful feeling at work within her caused a white satin decorated in every possible way with the richest blonde to be bespoken for the next every other article that sheltenham could furnish and it being the height of the season paris itself could hardly do more for her Every other species of expensive decoration, short of diamonds and pearls, was purchased for this important ball. At which something within her, speaking with the authority of an oracle, declared that she should become acquainted with Lord Muckleberry. Busy as were the afternoon and morning which intervened, she found time for the very necessary business of ordering her broker, he had been her father's broker, to sell out five hundred pounds stock for her. And this done, and her letter safely deposited in the boarding-house letter-bag, she turned her thoughts towards Agnes she had certainly to use her own language when reasoning the point with herself the very greatest mind in the world not to take her to the ball at all but this mind great as it was was not a settled mind and was presently shaken by a sort of instinctive consciousness that there was in agnes independent of her beauty a something that might help to give consequence to her entree as to her dress thought she i am perfectly determined that it shall be the same she wore at clifton not so much on account of the expense at the present moment it would be madness to permit such a consideration to have any effect but because it gives her an air more distinguished more remarkable than any one else and besides who knows but that the contrast of style beautiful as she is may be favourable to me i have not forgotten our fellow-traveller from silverton she seemed to freeze him and let her freeze my adorable viscount too so that i but here her thoughts came too rapidly to dress themselves in words and for a few minutes her reverie was rather a tumult than a meditation yes she shall go she exclaimed at last rising from the sofa and collecting a variety of precious parcels the result of her shopping yes she shall go to the ball and should any mischief be likely to follow i will make her go out to service before the end of the week having thus at last come to a determination and upon reasonings which she felt were not likely to be shaken she mounted to her sleeping apartment and after indulging herself by spreading forth various articles of newly purchased finery upon the bed she turned to the corner in which agnes her tiny table her books and writing apparatus were all packed away together in the smallest possible space and said come here agnes you must have done lessons enough for to-day and i have great news for you where do you think i mean to take you to-night agnes cast her eyes upon the bed and immediately anticipating some public display of which she was doomed to be a witness replied in a tone that was anything but joyful i don't know aunt i don't know aunt retorted mrs barnaby indignantly mimicking her tone what an owl of a girl you are agnes oh how unlike what i was at the same age you don't know i suppose you don't indeed there is not another woman under the sun besides myself who would do for a dependent penniless girl all i am doing for you i sacrifice everything for you my feelings my health my money and yet you look exactly as if i was going to take you to school again instead of a ball agnes sighed she thought of her last ball of all its pains and all its pleasures and feeling but too sure that it was as impossible she should escape the former as improbable that she should find the latter she replied mournfully enough i would rather not go if you please aunt i do not like balls upon my honour agnes if i had not a temper that was proof against everything i should be tempted to box your ears is it possible to see anything more disgustingly hypocritical than a girl of seventeen screwing herself up and saying i do not like balls i wonder what you do like miss prim but i promise you i do not intend to ask your leave for what i do and as long as you eat my bread you will do as i bid you or else turn out and provide for yourself at once let me hear no more such stuff if you please but take care to make yourself decent and be ready to get into the carriage exactly at nine o'clock do you hear agnes meekly turned to her travelling magazine of sable suits and was considerably surprised by being told that she must instantly get ready to go out for the purpose of buying satin shoes white gloves and one or two other trifles which the newly enlarged views of her aunt now rendered necessary all this was done miss morrison engaged to join their party the labours of the hairdresser were completed and a toilette of two hours duration was brought to a most satisfactory conclusion within ten minutes of the early hours she had named and to the ball-room they repaired considerably before any other person entered it i told you it would be so my dear mrs barnaby said miss morrison looking rather disconsolately round her nous sommes trop tôt, but never mind let us sit down comfortably on this sofa and i dare say i shall be able to tell you the names of most of the principal people cheltenham is so very delightful that almost everybody comes over and over again c'est tout à fait la mode a few straggling strangers began to enter almost immediately and in about half an hour the well-pleased miss morrison was enabled to redeem her promise by pointing out some scores of well-dressed individuals by name but still lord muckleberry came not and the widow's heart grew sad till happily she heard a young partnerless lady say as she swept by what a bore it is that all the best men come so late in a moment hope was rekindled in mrs barnaby's eye and with renewed interest she listened to the catalogue of names which her friend poured into her ear oh here comes the bride lady stephenson what a handsome man her husband is i have seen her here often with her aunt lady elizabeth norris before she was married the old lady dotes upon cheltenham they say i wish you knew some more people but name port it will all come by-and-by i dare say and i will introduce you to lady elizabeth if i can but I must ask her first, or she may take miff. El he ung fear Stevenson said, "Mrs. Barnaby, is it Sir Edward Stevenson?" Yes, Sir Edward, that's his name. Do you know him, Mrs. Barnaby? We were most intimately acquainted with his brother at Clifton, and with Colonel Hubert too. That's your brother, you know. Pray, is he here too? How Agnes trembled as she waited for the answer. I don't know. I have not seen him yet replied miss morrison and it is impossible to overlook him c'est un homme superbe but comme il est fier perhaps he will come in presently he is always un tard at the balls, for he never dances oh i know that said mrs barnaby i know him perfectly well i assure you he is a most elegant person but i suspect he is rather of a violent and jealous temper however i'm sure i wish he was here and his friend frederick Stevenson too he's a charming young man and used to walk to bristol with us and dance three times a night with agnes dear me you don't say so exclaimed miss morrison to whom the intelligence was extremely agreeable as it removed at once all doubts and fears respecting mrs barnaby's real station in society well then i'm sure you ought to know lady elizabeth norris and i really must somehow or other contrive to let her hear of your acquaintance with her nephew colonel hubert they say she dotes upon him and that he is to be her heir and that's almost a pity for he has a noble fortune of his own already do you happen to know how much his sister had mrs barnaby some say twenty some thirty some fifty thousand young stephenson never happened to say anything about it that i recollect replied the widow but look lady elizabeth is coming this way you had better step forward miss morrison that she may see you but there was no occasion for any contrivance on the part of miss morrison in order to obtain the notice of lady elizabeth for that lady having descried and recognised the party she immediately decided that miss morrison whose acquaintance she had cultivated for several successive seasons on account of her admirable french should be for her the medium of introduction to the pompous widow who was clever enough to make her niece drink the waters instead of herself it was therefore by a straight and direct line that supported by the arm of sir edward stephenson and followed by his lady she crossed the room from her own place to that occupied by those whom in her own particular manner she delighted to honour miss morrison's surprise was as great as her satisfaction when she perceived this to be the case and she felt her triumph doubled by her fine new acquaintance being the witness of it bonjour miss morrison said the old lady holding out her hand toujours en bonne santé j'espère." amidst smiles and bows and blushes and courtesies miss morrison replied in her favourite jargon "May oui milady and i hope your ladyship is the same a good many old faces here miss morrison and a good many new ones too you have friends with whom i do not remember to have seen before you must introduce me this request threw the good-natured spinster into a twitter of delight which almost deprived her of the power of obeying it first she made a little movement with one hand and then with the other while the ample mrs barnaby stood in happy smiling expectation and the tall stiff-looking old lady continued gazing at the group through her half-closed eyes and determined on no account to hasten a process from which she derived so great amusement at length the respective names were pronounced in their proper order that of the blushing agnes being included the old lady gave her a look in which something of surprise was mingled with curiosity and suddenly turning round to lady stephenson who stood behind her she said come emily you must be introduced to miss willoughby lady stephenson mrs barnaby had prepared another smile and another majestic bend for the presentation of herself to the fair bride but it did not follow a disappointment for which she was soon consoled by lady elizabeth's sitting down and graciously intimating by an action of her hand that the widow might sit beside her agnes meanwhile stood trembling from head to foot with her eyes timidly fixed on the beautiful countenance of colonel hubert's sister as it was quite impossible her ladyship could understand the cause of the agitation she inspired so neither was she at all aware of its strength but she saw that the beautiful girl before her notwithstanding the quiet unsteady grace of her appearance was not at her ease and could only account for it by supposing that she was suffering from extreme shyness lady stephenson had not yet forgotten the time when she too had hardly dared to look up unless her paternal brother as she was wont to call him stood very near to sustain her carriage and sympathising with a weakness that was in some degree constitutional in herself she felt disposed to take more notice of the fair stranger than she usually bestowed upon persons introduced to her by the whimsical caprices of her aunt lady stephenson was however altogether mistaken agnes was not at that moment suffering from shyness there was timidity certainly in the pleasure with which she listened to the voice and gazed at the features of colonel hubert's sister but still it was pleasure and very nearly the most lively she had ever experienced you are at Cheltenham for the first time miss willoughby said the bride yes replied agnes we only arrived two days ago there was not much opportunity of indicating a feeling of any kind by these words nevertheless the manner with which they were spoken and the sweet expression of the beautiful eyes that were raised to hers convinced lady stephenson that however shy her new acquaintance might be she greatly liked to be spoken to and accordingly continued the conversation which to her own surprise warmed so much as it proceeded that at length her aunt being evidently settled down for an elaborate development of the absurdities whatever they might be of her new acquaintance she offered her arm inviting her to take a turn around the room could this be real was it possible that she was walking round the cheltenham ballroom on the arm of colonel hubert's sister but though the happy agnes asked herself this question again and again neither the asking nor the answering it prevented her bearing her part in a conversation that made her so exquisitely happy with all the pretty earnestness of one interested in every word that was said to her and too young and fresh-minded to conceal the pleasure she felt lady stephenson was unexpectedly pleased with her young companion there was no mixture of niaiserie in the simplicity of agnes and though her ladyship in no degree shared her aunt's extravagant passion for originals she had in her own quiet way a reasonably strong liking for whatever appeared to her untainted by affectation the beauty of agnes might perhaps have had some share in the pleasure she gave But certain it is that, after taking two or three turns together instead of one, and perceiving Lady Elizabeth about to move her quarters in search of fresh amusement, she shook hands with Agnes before parting with her so cordially that she felt called upon to offer some reason for it to her husband, who had quitted her during her promenade, but was now returned. That is by far the most enchanting girl, Edward, in person, mind, and manners, that I ever remember to have met with. How very strange that she should belong to one of my aunt's collection. She is vastly beautiful, Emily, replied Sir Edward, and I suspect that covers a multitude of sins in your eyes, for I observe you never fail to pick out the beauties, go where you will. I declare I think your eyes are infinitely sharper than mine in this way. Having once found out the fairest of the fair, I do not feel so much interest as I used to do in looking about me. A very pretty speech, Sir Edward, returned the lady, laughing, but that sweet girl's beauty is not her greatest fascination i must ask lady elizabeth whether she found the magnificent lady to whom she has been devoting herself answer her expectations when this question was put to the old lady however she bluntly answered no not at all she is as dull as a prize ox decorated with ribbons at a fair i am sorry to hear it observed lady stephenson for i have lost my heart to the fair girl in black whom she seems to lead about as a contrast to her radiant self i marvel what the connection can be it is plain they are not related from the deep mourning of the one and the rainbow brilliance of the other your inference is altogether wrong my lady stephenson one of this madame barnaby's long stories was about this melancholy miss who is her niece and who will wear mourning in spite of her i must watch them at the pump just to see if the girl makes up for her disobedience in this respect by swallowing the waters which pringle says the aunt is determined she shall take and after that i shall trouble myself no more about them the great woman does not answer she is a vulgar pompous every-day bore pray do not give her quite up aunt for my sake said lady stephenson for i have set my fancy upon seeing a great deal more of her niece who by the way for so pertinacious a mourner is wonderfully sprightly but i must flatter myself she found consolation in my society i must beg you to cultivate the acquaintance a little farther This is something quite new, Emily, replied the old lady. It is the first time, I believe, that you ever condescended to take any interest in my menagerie. Far be it from me, my dear, to check so happy a symptom of an improving intellect. I have already asked the expansive widow and her delicate shadow for Wednesday. And if your fever for cementing a friendship with the latter should happen to continue, yield to it by all means. You know, Emily, I never wish to control anybody's set of favourites provided always that nobody interferes with my own. The only pleasure which the rest of the evening afforded Agnes arose from studying the features, and still more the countenance of Lady Stephenson whenever she was fortunate enough to be within sight of her. No one asked her to dance, and no word was uttered within her hearing that gave her the least amusement. One single circumstance cheered the tedious hours during which she was doomed to sit with her Aunt Barnaby before her eyes, in a terror which increased every moment lest she should draw the eyes of every one else in the room upon her this single circumstance was that the sister of colonel hubert when standing at the three feet of distance from her turned her head and said with a smile of strong family affinity to his own i find that i am to have the pleasure of seeing you on wednesday at my aunt's miss willoughby i am very glad of it good-night and soon afterwards the party left the room far different was the fate of mrs barnaby the evening began for her very gloriously for she had been spoken to by a lady elizabeth but it ended in rapture for before its close lord muckleberry made his appearance stared at her again with the most marked impertinence inquired and learned her name from mr pringle by whom he was at his express desire presented and finally he placed himself beside her on the sofa where he remained for at least twenty minutes talking to her in a style that might be said without the slightest exaggeration to have thrown her into a state of temporary delirium nor had it failed to produce some emotion in the noble lord nay it is probable it might have lasted longer had it amused him less for when he took his leave of the widow expressing his hope that he should be happy enough to meet her again he moved with a step rather quicker than ordinary to esconce himself among a knot of men who were amusing themselves by communicating to each other the most ludicrous remarks on the company in a distant corner of the room have you really torn yourself away from that magnificent specimen of womanhood, Muckleberry said one of the group as he approached them? She is evidently magnetic by the manner in which you have been revolving round her for some time, and if magnetic in the power at all proportioned to the volume, it is a miracle that you ever left her side again. I never would leave her side again, replied Lord Muckleberry, laughing immoderately. Did I not fear that I should fall at her feet in a fit? Oh, she is glorious. Who and what is she, in God's name? said another. Who is she? Barnaby, bless her, Mistress Barnaby. What is she? A widow, darling creature, a widow, fair, fat, and forty, most fat, most fair, and oh, a pigeon, a dove, a very turtle-dove for kindness. She is really handsome, though, isn't she, Muckleberry? said one. Yes, upon my soul, she is, replied the viscount more seriously and bears looking at too remarkably well notwithstanding the pot full of coarse rouge that it pleases her to carry about on each of her beautiful cheeks and by what blessed chance has your lordship been favoured with an introduction or did your lordship so far overcome your constitutional timidity as to introduce yourself alarm not your spirit on that score digby replied lord muckleberry the medium of introduction was illustrious but my passion was anterior to it for the history of our loves was in this wise it is said of me i know not how truly that my taste in beauty tends somewhat towards the blazabella order But this as it may it is certain that yesterday morning between the hours of two and three being actively employed for the good of myself and my country in johnson's sale-room i felt myself penetrated perforated pierced and transfixed by the very bright eyes of this remarkable lady whereupon overpowering my constitutional timidity digby i fixed my regards eye-glass and all upon her but the result was astonishing did any of you gentlemen ever happen to watch the effect of the sun's rays when thrown upon some soft substance a pound of butter for example through the medium of a burning glass such and so great was that produced by the rays of my right eye when sent through my eye-glass upon this charming creature she warmed trembled yea visibly melted under it i inquired her name on the spot but in vain this evening i have been more successful and now i have the inexpressible felicity of being enrolled as an acquaintance of this inimitable widow a very interesting narrative said one of his auditors and may i ask your lordship what it can be that has now induced you to leave her fair side all unguarded ecstasy tom i had not strength to witness the emotions i inspired i tell you i must have fallen at her feet had i continued near her the conversation of these merry gentlemen went on for some time longer in the same strain forming a contrast perhaps not very uncommon to the solemn and serious meditations of mrs barnaby on the very same circumstances which caused their mirth far however from exaggerating the effect he had produced lord muckleberry had little or no idea of its strength and reality he fancied the lady inflammable and easily touched by any appearance of admiration but it never entered his head to suppose that his flourishing speeches and audacious eyes had given birth in her mind to the most sanguine hope and the most deliberate intention of becoming viscountess muckleberry sudden as the formation of these hopes and intentions may appear it would be doing injustice to mrs barnaby were the reader suffered to believe that they were permitted to take possession of her heedlessly she remembered major allen she remembered the agony of the moment in which she beheld his friend maintry appear in the character of a thief and sweet to her ears as was the title of her new conquest she did not suffer to charm away her resolution of discovering whether he were poor or rich every inquiry tended to prove that she was safe in the direction which her ambition and her love had now taken lord mucklebury was a widower with an only son very nobly provided for and as capable of making a good jointure if he married again as a widow's heart could wish now then all that remained to be done was to foster the admiration she had inspired into a passion strong enough to induce the noble viscount to settle that jointure upon her nothing could be more just than her reasoning nothing more resolute than her purpose she knew she was handsome she felt it to be advisable that she should appear rich and with the devoted feeling of a warrior who throws away his scabbard as he rushes to the onslaught mrs barnaby heroically set herself to win her way to victory ki-coute qui of chapter fourteen